Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, whom I am well pleased. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Here is my servant, whom I uphold my chosen, in whom my soul delights. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together always be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Kit. And I work with teenagers. (laughs) Some days I seem to work more with the parents of teenagers than the teenagers themselves. In some of those days, I find myself reminding those parents that their children were once the light of their lives instead of the trembling masses of hormones and text messages that they present as now. It's usually at that point that the parents sigh look wistful for a moment and declare that their children are growing up unbelievably quickly, like it was only yesterday when they actually wanted to hang out with their parents. But as a community today, we all can collectively sigh together, look wistful, and say to one another, remember when Jesus was born? And all those wacky kings came by with their shower presents. Wow, doesn't that seem like only four days ago? And now he's 30 and getting all baptized. How did that time pass so quickly? (laughs) It was only a few days ago that we found Jesus and Mary and Joseph in the manger together. As the three wise men came bringing their gifts and left with this crazy story of how a small child was actually God incarnate. It seemed a ludicrous message, but since all the signs had pointed to that reality just as it had been prophesied, those wise men went on their way, bringing that story with them wherever they went. And now, just a few short lectionary days later, Here we are listening in to Jesus and John the Baptist in the River Jordan, just as Jesus is about to be baptized. John is putting up a bit of a fight because he's convinced that it is Jesus who needs to baptize him and not the other way around. But as usually happens, Jesus gets his way and the water is poured over him and the heavens open and the dove descends. The voice. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. This moment, this baptism, is known as the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. 
It was the moment when his adoption, his absolute belonging to God, was made known. Perhaps that voice spoke only to him in that moment. Perhaps others could hear it booming across the waters. But it was that descent into the water which opened up something wonderful and propelling for Jesus. That moment sanctified something which had already been given to him. In some ways, I think that Jesus' baptism is difficult to understand for some of our young people, mostly because of the scriptural suddenness of it all. Jesus is emerging from apparently nowhere in his baptism, plunging him into the depths of his own, literally, life-giving ministry and mission. And it seems to model a once-and-for-all conversion. It's not only youth who can fall into this kind of scriptural imagery trap. The thought that once we say yes to God in Christ, we are set for life. But that yes found in baptism seems to be a graduation of sorts. That we are spiritually finished, or as my parents say, done as a ham in the eyes of God. It's the trouble with the sacrament of confirmation, because it can imply that once we tie up the loose ends of initiation, then it's all over. But it isn't over. For us, the vows we undertook with our family and godparents, and which we continue to renew several times a year in our baptism, are living, breathing aspects of a faith not dulled by the gloss of completion. It does become tougher, though. There is no doubt about that. Our baptismal vows ask us to do some of that work on our own. To not have our churches be the only places we are allowed to talk about prayer and faith. As I work with young people on issues of faith, and especially around the sacrament of confirmation, the public reaffirmation of their baptismal vows, I notice that they reserve a lot of their questions for me and not their parents or families. They take me aside and haltingly, almost shamefully, ask me about all those things that they don't quite get, like evil or sin and what it all means, and if we take on the identity of being Christian in confirmation, does that mean we think all other religions are wrong? They ask about the Eucharist and why we do it, and why other people do not. And why do we call ourselves Episcopalians instead of just plain Christians? These are the questions of the spiritually hungry. In listening to these questions asked sometimes with embarrassment, these children think that they should know the answers, that all this knowledge should have been transmitted by force or maybe hopefully in baptism. But in this, I see that our church is not floundering because our youth are still asking these questions. But... We do have generations of children and youth and young adults, and I'm going to go on a limb and say adults, who think that if they don't already know what they are talking about when speaking of faith, then they should give it up entirely or avoid the topic. 
our generations of achievers lose out when we forget to proclaim that each person here today is a living, breathing model of the Christian faith and struggle. It is easy to get tied up in a life where we compartmentalize everything. Family, work, friends, faith. Each to their own place, and they they shouldn't really interfere with each other. We teach that to our children as well, perhaps not explicitly, but they do learn it nonetheless. My time with our diocesan youth council is spent largely in discussion about how they can be the person they are at camp or at church retreat in their real lives, like at school or at the lunch table or when they have a very difficult decision on a Friday or Saturday night. They tell me that they are freer when they are reminded that they are loved and are acting within the beloved community. They feel that they are invited to be part of something larger than they are allowed to be part of in other facets of their life. Most of all, they reflect that they are more themselves, the way they believe God created them to be when they are offered the invitation to become part of that community who gets to remind each other that they are beloved and included and sought after. And what I have noticed is what they really wish for is to be reminded of their baptism, to be told, you are my child, you are beloved, I am delighted in you. Baptism is this invitation to be beloved and sought after. It is a once and for all invitation that will never be rescinded, taken back, or broken. It does not transform one into a suddenly holy or pious person in one fell swoop, as I believe all of us can attest to. But perhaps it's not really about that kind of immediate transformation. It is the marker of a life lived in curiosity about the spirit, of a community transparent and open about the joys and challenges of a life lived in faith, of a person in this world who is deemed beloved and covenanted with God without having proof of their goodness or worthiness. Today, We will welcome Corinne into this community of Trinity Church, but also into the wider family of Christians throughout the world. By water which will be poured on her, she will be washed in the waters of death and resurrection. And by the chrism, she will become, at nine months, a minister of the word. By the vows that Corinne's family and godparents and every person in this room will make, she will be adopted into a far larger family than simply blood relatives. You all will be the ones reminding her years down the road of this day when you agreed to, with God's help, guide her in the ways of justice, love, and peace. You all will be the ones who teach her about community and what that truly means in an unstable world. 
You all will be the ones to encourage her questions when they appear about faith, love, God, Jesus, justice, forgiveness, sex, compassion, the Eucharist, evil, sin, and all those other things that you may struggle with yourself. You may give her the wrong answers, but you will have walked together that pilgrim journey so well trod of trying to figure out how to live into our being God's children. And maybe what we discover is that it's not the answers that matter so much as the willingness to live fully into the questions. My rebuttal to members of my youth council who accuse me of being mean, which is usually when I tell them they can't do something they want to do, is that I never promised to be nice as a priest or their mentor or even a Christian. I did, however, promise to be honest and authentic. God doesn't want or need just nice people. There's nothing in the baptismal covenant that asks us to be inconspicuous and good people who stay out of trouble. Everything in that covenant is geared to us ordering our life to reflect our faith and understanding that our faith will be influenced by the way we live and order our lives. And maybe we learn the following. We are a curious people who ask questions and aren't afraid to wonder. We learn that we are a radically loving and forgiving people. We are a people who, even when we don't have time to pray or to go to service, will nevertheless try to talk to God as often and as honestly as we can. We are a people who will not tolerate violence or injustice physically or with words. We are a people who seek Christ in other people, and especially those people who it is hardest for us to bear with. We are a people who know that while baptism is a once and for all thing, that faith is not. Faith will be a thing that grows with Corinne and us, bending and flexing in ways that only we can direct and only we can sustain. We are a people who seek God and God's will in all we do, the sacred and the really mundane. And we know that we have a model and friend in Jesus who has known both the sacred and the mundane all too well. Now you just need to put a with God's help in front of all of those. And you have a reminder of your own baptismal covenant. We take for granted how much we lose when we forget these simple phrases which have grounded us from our baptism in Christ. When we forget that we are God's, we minimize the words of Isaiah and Matthew, reminding us that we are beloved of God. But I love this servant song of Isaiah. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. 
I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. When we forget these vows, we relegate faith to the professionals whom, just like the dry cleaner, we assume can do it better and more effectively for us, saving us time and effort. When we forget to respect the dignity of every living creature, horrors like the shooting in Arizona yesterday can happen and leave only fear and vitriol in their wake. When we forget the words of God reminding us that we are beloved, we can lose ourselves to self-denigration and abuse. And we know from the gospel, we know from Advent and Christmas and Epiphany that God works in crazy, ludicrous ways. God came to be with humanity, to love them and serve them and teach them in the form of a child. And we are actually allowed and expected to believe this. But what's even crazier is a story that continues. To fully believe that God is working in all of you, in your families, permeating your hectic schedules. God has adopted each one of you in baptism to be God's witnesses to all all that the faith journey invites us to. And God has said to each one of you, you are mine. You are beloved. I am delighted by you. Amen. Amen.